Hey there, what's up everybody? Welcome to Evoke Greatness. This podcast was created for those of you who, like me, are driven by their curious nature and fascination with the champion mindset. If you have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge, or maybe you're just curious on how some of the most successful people have navigated their journey, we share the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and all the lessons learned along the way. It doesn't matter what chapter you are on in your story. Maybe you're just getting started, or heck, maybe you're halfway through. What I know is where intention goes, energy flows. It's my most sincere hope that you will hear something in one or maybe many of these episodes that resonates with you and reminds you that you are not in this alone. As we venture into year two, I hope that you find a sense of connection and community when you're here because we all deserve a place where we belong. My name is Sunny, and I am so glad you're here. If you're new, there's a few things you want to know about me. I am a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Welcome back to another episode of Evoke Greatness. My guest today is one of my favorite people in the world, Kofi Duhaji. Kofi is a serial entrepreneur. He's the author of Unbroken Optimist. He's a coach. He's a husband. He's a father. He is an officer in the United States Air Force and truly one of the most fascinating and wise people that I've had the gift of knowing. So Kofi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sonny. So generous of you. <laughs> all Thank heartfelt, you. all true. Thank you. This is, you know, for everybody listening, this is what, like a year overdue. We have met on several different occasions to get together for this and whatever reason on both sides didn't work. And so all the better. Uh, we'll just totally lean in. And I think your story is so fascinating. And so I want to, I want to hop right into it. Um, but you were born in a small village in Togo, Africa. And yes. Specifically, you were born on a Friday in 1985. Why is that so important? Why is it significant on the day you were born? It's significant because literally it defined my name. So Kofi is any boy born on a Friday in my culture. In my culture. And... Uh, Friday just happened to be one of the days that I love a lot. It's like not the weekend. It's not really the weekday. And everyone is happy when Friday hit. And I get to be born on that specific day. And I think it's pretty cool. I love that. And it just happens to be a Friday that we're recording this as well. <laughs> right. So perfect. Perfect. We perfect. will dive all the way into Kofi. <laughs> yeah. So for those who have not read your book, um, it is one that I cannot express how deeply moving it was, as you are such a gifted storyteller. Uh, unlike so many books that I've read, I the way you tell stories brings somebody in as if they're like experiencing it with you. And so in your book, you talk about the fact that you were really born into scarcity. And you go in and you and you talk about the conditions that you you were born into, that you navigated through, through childhood. And I think some of those things are things that the average American probably couldn't even comprehend. What do you mean when you say that you were born into scarcity? Well, I, I want to recognize the fact that scarcity can be a subjective perception of reality. But what I mean by scar uh, scarcity from my perspective, is being born in a place where even what you have to eat is a problem. A place where you fall sick and you pray that you don't die. And most of what get you healed is time and, and some weed. So that is the type of scarcity that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the lack of entertainment, the lack of 
even soccer growing up is oranges we played as football you know so those little things and the fact that we studied at a candlelight um there was only one tv in the village and at night we we're all packed around and there's no chance a little kid like me when i was seven would be able to to see anything so you're pushing through people uh, until you see something that looks like the screen of the tv and you're like oh that's just someone's the back of someone's head so that is what i mean by scarcity when i describe the time and the place i grew up in afanya and let's let's even go back a bit and and i would love to share i would love for you to share some of your story of what you experienced and how how did that really kind of pave the way unknowing probably at the time of unknowing for you at, at the time it was yeah. normal that's how life supposed to be until you you grow out of that situation and you look from the situation from a higher perspective and you're like oh actually this is what i was going through and one of the stories that happened and somehow even then i could literally uh tell how much life altering that story or that event was is this one time when i was coming back from school my flip-flop broke so i had to pick it up i couldn't walk in them and as i was walking very very young i was complaining to myself the self talk was like come on i just came out of school i was comparing myself to other kids that had sneakers like shoes and mine just broke and in, in togo in the village i grew up when it got hot during the summer you can literally break an egg and drop it on the ground and you get an omelet that's how hot it was so i was walking as fast as i could so i can get home and get under a shade or something and then i was complaining how miserable i was looking back at the kids i met through school during recess that had nicer shoes and then i came across this young boy almost my age at the time going in the opposite direction when i was coming back from school and that was a wednesday and wednesdays in my village is where when the local market is open so everyone goes to the market and he was going to the market at that time i was coming back from school which means that boy wasn't going to school he wasn't enrolled in school at all yet he had this heavy load on his head his forehead was pretty much like an old person's forehead because it was just smashing his eyes and the very moment we were coming at our you know each other's level you could see literally a sweat dropping from his forehead almost into his eyes which slowed him down a little bit and he waited to wipe it off and i could hear his dad behind him shouting don't slow me down kid we are getting late you better keep going and he didn't even get the time to wipe his eye off his own sweat and somehow that event to this day when i think about it it just filled me with gratitude and i feel so ungrateful because that is comparative gratitude i'm not even being grateful for me I'm just being grateful because I have it better than someone else. Right. Right. But then I didn't have this, you know, deep thought about it, but I, at least I knew that I had something that I should be grateful for. So that's one of the stories that really shaped my 
mindset about gratitude and optimism and eventually led to unbroken optimism, a term I love using a lot. Yes. Yes. You suffered some pretty significant physical abuse as you were growing up. And during all that, your father placed immense value in education. And so in balancing kind of all of that out, how did you, how did, how did that education become a catalyst for you and your drive to keep going through? And, you know, when, even when things seemed unbearable. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my dad was, he's, he, he, he's quite a character because he, him and I today, we're, it's like as if nothing happened, right? right? I deliberately rebuilt my relationship with my my dad. And one of the topics before I get to the point that I wish I've uh, talked about in Unbroken Optimist is forgiveness. Mm. Somehow I managed to not talk about it as if people would ask me, it looks like you haven't forgiven your, your dad. But I did. And we have some of the most beautiful relationship now. But back then, my dad didn't know better. He responded to any misbehavior with physical abuse. That, mm-hmm. That's how he was brought up. And that's what, what he knew. And that's how he treated me. But the fact that he believed in education is something I am deeply grateful for. Because everything he did, he never, ever stopped fighting so we can stay in school. And when I first saw an airplane, him and I, we had a conversation. I got really excited. I was like, I was seven or so, never seen an airplane before. That's how remote my village is. And the first that flew over and I saw, I asked my dad, what? the heck is that? I definitely know that is not a bird. What the heck is that? And we had a conversation. He told me about it. I got really excited. And I asked him, when can we get on one of those cool things? He giggled and told me that's not for us. I was like, what do you mean us? He said, well, son, we can barely afford food. You know that. So that's, don't even think about it. I, I can't even think about something, someone in our family who's been anywhere close to those things. So don't even think about it. And I'm so glad he did because that don't think about it gave me a free fuel source of motivation to find out for myself. So that end up being the engine that drove me through school because my goal was coffee, go to school, get a degree, get a job, save money, and buy a plane ticket. That was the goal, and that was it. When I'm starving, I have to go to school because I need to get that degree so I can get a job, so I can buy a plane ticket, so I can fly on a plane. And that's been my drive the entire time. <laughs> and I don't want to skip over what you said about forgiveness. And you were deliberate in that. You were intentional in that because you could have allowed that to impact you for the rest of your life. It could have hardened parts of you that are flourishing today, but you made an intentional decision around that. And what I'm sure of is I'm sure of that's going to be a big topic in in one of your future books to come, as I'm sure there's probably many, but uh, the intentionality around that, that's for everybody. That's for everybody to hear. You don't have to have, you know, grown up in, in conditions like this in Togo. People experience abuse. People let that, whether it be physical, emotional, psychological, and there is that place where you have to come to for forgiveness because really what you're doing is if there's the opportunity to rebuild and protect that relationship, absolutely, right? But even if there's not, when you forgive others, you're allowing yourself 
that forgiveness and that freedom from it. And I think that's something to certainly not skip over. Yeah. Um, so I grew up between my dad, my mom, and my grandma. And some of the wisdom I still carry with me to this day were, are from, from my grandma. One time I remember my sister got really, really mad, red mad, and came running at my grandma, complaining, yelling hysterically that some kid threw a stone at her and she wouldn't stop. So my grandma said, if you're so mad, just grab the stone and swallow it. Uh, if you can't forgive, grab the stone and swallow it and see who gets hurt more. Ooh. And it's, it's something that just stuck to me, like holding grudges against someone or not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting that person to die. Right. You're going to die and they're going to keep doing what they do. So it's no point to get to pick up that stone and swallow it, but brush it off and move on. And to me, that's a big lesson. And somehow that too stuck with me. And I will never allow myself to not forgive anyone because I don't want to swallow that stone. It's going to hurt me. And if anything, they don't even know they hurt you sometimes because right. that's their perception. Sometimes things happen. We think the person is out to get us while we all have blind spot. Maybe it's out of blind spot, but sometimes abuse is very intentional too. Right. Either way, that stone is not digestible. It's not edible. You swallow it, you're going to be in big trouble they are going to still live in pain free and you get to keep all the pain. So I love myself enough and I will never hold back from forgiving anyone for anything. Mm. And that sounds like such grandma wisdom. It's the grandma wisdom that you don't understand in the moment, you know, as we're little and growing up that you almost like look twice. What? What does that even mean? And as an adult, it's this epiphany. Exactly. Yeah. That is just, I mean, I hear that and I think, oh my gosh, that is so true though. So it's so true. And it's a choice. You get a choice in the matter. It's a choice. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a choice. Definitely a choice. And always choose yourself. Choose to love yourself fully. Yeah. Right. Well, through going, uh, through going to school, you would go several days at a time with only maybe one small meal, even up through high school. And I'm curious, where did you find the resilience, the sheer will to keep pushing forward and really be unwilling to accept that this is how it had to be? Like, how were you able to say, all I need to get is that plane ticket and keep pushing through every hard circumstance that you went through? I think the fact that the lack of food itself was my reason. Uh, the way I thought about it was, well, I'm stuck here and there's nothing I can do about it. But if I don't do something, I'm going to be stuck here forever. So I'd rather push through that pain to get to better days. Or if I don't, that pain is going to kill me a hundred percent. So that mindset and that perspective back then kept me in check. And fortunately, though, uh, I don't want to be ungrateful to Mother Nature because even though we would have maybe a small meal in days, we still go from farm to farm picking up mangoes, papayas, oranges, and, and that did help a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, even though there's a season where you have the mangoes or the fruit, and then there's a season you have n none of it, uh, it, it did help a lot. And, uh, 
when we lived with my dad, it was a different story. Um, we were, I was physically abused. Um, I would spend days just, uh, hiding in books and reading and writing poems that I'd rather eat my own heart than let someone else read those poems back then. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very insecure and, and self-conscious about the things I expressed through my poems. I didn't want anyone to, to discover my uh, mind naked, quote unquote, mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, but all that enabled me to just grow this way of being where I could retreat to this place, specific place in me where everything physical just didn't matter anymore. I don't care how long I haven't eaten. If I'm writing about three years, 10 years down the road and just dreaming away, writing, writing, a poems, uh, writing poems about how I'm going to be traveling the world how I'm going to be meeting people that are amazing, uh, how I'm going to be flying on an airplane and all that just takes me to a place where nothing, even hung, uh, even hunger, didn't have a chance to, to get in that car and reach me. Yeah, yeah. You would go on to become a very creative young man, really utilizing everything you could around you. You'd go to the flea market and buy used clothes to put in your own kind of flair and resell them. And you created a, a budding, you had a budding uh, music career, but none of that, like none of that was really in hope of becoming famous. Like, you know, I don't get that that was anything that was on your radar, but it was really more about the fact that being in service of something bigger, being in service of that plane ticket one day, what was it that, you know, that, that you were working towards going through each one of those things? Cause you became a serial entrepreneur then like, and that was way before you even came to the U S but yeah. And, and why in that, because you tell these stories so great, why is storytelling so important in that process? Storytelling is very, very important in the process because it's ingrained in my culture. That's how we learned everything I know about my great, great, great grandparents was given down to me through storytelling. And because there was, uh, there were mainly no entertainment outlets. Uh, at night, we would gather around the campfire and my grandma would tell us stories about how the Ewe people moved out of Egypt many, many years ago. And it just kept going and keep going. And what I found over time is that when, whenever she tells something, shares something in storytelling that manner, I get, I kept those information, that information. But whenever you sat me down and taught me something, I forgot. Mm. So I grew a passion for, for storytelling and going through school, I would turn lessons and, and uh, every course into a story that I tell myself. Then during exam, I would just literally relieve the stories i'll build some nonsensistic stories around math right and when i'm telling myself that story i get to remind whatever when it whatever it is that i need to remind for that specific exam to this date uh all my password and being uh, an officer in the air force i have multiple password and all that you will never see me write a single password down. I just build a story. And when I'm tapping my password, even on my personal computer, people are like, Kofi, did you really have to make it that long, though? Like, <laughs> you, you could just pick something short. That would be fine. But because I build a story with anything and everything, I get to remind myself of the most complex numbers and figures and uh 
uh, that just resonate with me deeply. But beyond that, growing up and going through college, learning how to coach through executive coaching, I did my master's with uh, Bellevue University here in Nebraska. And just learning the value that not only things that I had grow, uh, grown up uh, coming up with, and then I started learning labels on the psychological aspect of a lot of things that I used to do growing up and how I use storytelling myself. I grew more, even a deeper passion for storytelling because when we tell stories, we make the world a better place immediately. We make people who can relate feel less lonely in this big whole world we are living in. And we make, we make them feel seen, understood, and they know they're not alone, uh, that the human condition is a curse that we all have. And that is okay. So storytelling to me, brings us together, create connectedness, uh, make us vulnerable, and to realize that the human being, even the best of us, are just same as us. We all have dreams. We have fears. Uh, we we, we want to do better in life. We want to be part of something greater than ourselves, and we want to leave a legacy. We want to have an impact. And then once we start going into the details, it looks different. But ultimately, I believe storytelling helps us see our humanity better than anything else. Wow. Didn't expect that answer. That um, it says so much about how you place such value on storytelling and, and really kind of takes it back to those stories that you were told growing up. But that's a fascinating way to think about learning. You know, uh, going through nursing school, one of the things that they would teach us, um, they started this kind of program where we, where it was almost a bit like storytelling through certain, as you're navigating certain organs and the things that they do. And so it was like, you almost kind of created this song or this story that you told yourself. And so it's fascinating though, to hear that so eloquently put and that you have really applied that to all the different things that you've learned in your life. Yeah, I, I try to. Uh, and I think, you know, some of our, not some, any tool that we, we overuse can become a problem. And I, I had to go through a coaching program to, to help me with this because I tend to share, overshare, if you will. You, you put me in a situation where I just need to say, yes, I'll start telling your story. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, sometimes in, in the military, you have to be very succinct and uh, straight to the point. And I did struggle with that uh, in my uh, early years when I joined the Air Force because, Kofi, uh, we are not looking for a story here. Mm. Just give me yes or no and that will be enough. <laughs> so, uh, But storytelling can be transformative for anyone. It's also... Uh, a way to control our mind in the sense that we're always telling ourselves some sort of story right. daily, weekly, on and on. And some of those stories are old. Like we've been telling ourselves those stories for years and those stories are holding us back. So uh, being conscious of that and acknowledging that there are the power is in our hand to change the story and to say, hey, yes, I've been through this, but this is the type of story I want to build next. This is where I want to be next. And, and stop telling yourself that story that is ugly, difficult to bear, but at the same time, heal by telling yourself that story and showing yourself what can also be possible and combine that to to show yourself that you're not what happened, but you can change what will happen. Right. And 
oftentimes those, I equate it to like luggage. So oftentimes those old stories, when you carry a, a bag for a really long time, that bag starts to get more and more heavy. And so you think about the fact that so often we've got all these stories that we're lugging around with us. They're old, they're probably untrue, or they're not about the current version of you. And so what happens if you have this really heavy bag, you're like, you know, moving your body over to overcompensate for that weight. When what you need to come to terms with is the fact that you can, again, goes back to choice, right? Goes back to swallowing the stone. You can make the choice to be unwilling to carry that baggage around with you anymore and recognize the fact that that old story, it doesn't serve you anymore. And in order to move into that higher level of yourself, sometimes you have to shed those things. You have to let things die off. Yeah. That were a part of you in the past to allow for new things to be born. 100%. 100%. And your story is some of the most valuable thing in your whole existence because it you can do anything you want with your story. And I joke with this, but it's true. I'm sharing my story. I'm telling people, hey, um, I used to struggle with food, but actually I say that and I sell it. I used to struggle with food, but I'm selling that story. My book's been sold to, like my book made it to 6,000 hands currently and counting. And this is me just sharing my story. I'm not putting up a pity party. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just sharing that this happened challenges. That's the label. But you don't get to, you don't have to let it define you. It doesn't matter what your challenge is made of. It doesn't matter what type of challenge it is, but you don't let your challenges define you. And once you start sharing your own story, I would have, I would have never thought that anyone would be interested in reading Unbroken Optimist. It was my true desire to share that story and to put it out there. I didn't, a tree doesn't care if you can't pick up the, the fruit or not. It's still going to produce that fruit, fruit when, once the season is favorable again, right? So you never receive a letter from your favorite fruit tr- fruits tree saying, hey, Sonny, can you come pick up a couple of my fruit? No, you went to the tree and pick up the fruit. So in the same way, I think we also get often stuck in our own head in the sense that we want to think about the outcome first. And, and with Unbroken Optimist, and I think one of the reasons that I'm, uh, that book has been successful is that I never plan it to become what it is today. It's just like you can't bring a child in the world, have a child and they say, this child is going to be the next president of the United States. Well, you can try and you may, you may get it. You, you may get him or her there, but it's never a guarantee whatever you do. But I've never seen any parent not love their kids because they don't think they can be, they're just your kid. You love them. You brought them in the world and you don't care whether they become a president or a nurse. You, you're just proud of them as long as they're, you know, um, being a good steward of our humankind and you support them, you, you feed them, you, you, you're there for them. And that's how I feel about anything and everything I do. And then everything that happened after that is just a bonus. Like, it's just a bonus. I wanted to share a story. If two people are interested in it, great. If not, my goal, again, was to share the story. 
it doesn't matter who gets it, who doesn't get it. I'm doing what I need to do and that stops there. Anything that happens with it, when people reach out to me, how much the story impacted them, I don't produce wisdom, Sonny. I'm just a vessel. I'm, I'm a vessel sharing something that I've been through, but ultimately the fundamental is human. It belongs to no one. Courage is human. Grit is human. No one makes it up. No one can invent it. It's in and for all of us. So when you're sharing your story, you're just holding a different angle of the mirror on something that is already there for us all to explore and to have. So um, I'm getting lost here a little bit, but I think my point is that don't get too attached to outcomes. Mm -hmm. Don't get attached to outcomes. Uh, follow your heart and truly know. Just know. Don't believe. Know that you are capable of whatever you put your, your mind to. You are capable of achieving it. But because ultimately the universe wants you to be successful. You are, you're doing a lot just on, on any given day. You have a clothing and shoe line. You have gone all in to help authors, to help coach authors to write their own books and self-publish and go through the whole process with them because that is really your, kind of your zone of genius. And, and you have, you help them navigate that path. In addition to that, you recently returned from deployment. You've got a family do you ever get to that place? You, I mean, you always seem so zen, but I'm curious if you ever get to that place where you feel overwhelmed, where you feel like, you know, like, it, like it's a lot. And if so, how do you pull yourself back? How do you recenter and refocus? Well, um, I do get overwhelmed every now and then, uh, but the way I get myself focused I just love learning from nature. Nature does a lot. Right now we're here, it's night somewhere else, um, still being done by the same nature that's producing the day here for us. And whenever I get overwhelmed, I just remind myself of, am I picking up too much noise right now? What are the distractions I'm, I'm allowing, my, allowing myself to uh, get? What am I allowing myself to be distracted by? And once I ask myself, I have, I have the Kofi's constitution, right? Uh, it, it's this document, it's a living document where I have my five pillars, what's important to me what's not but as a human being every now and then i get lost so i'll just go back to this coffee's constitution and recenter myself reframe everything and go oh well i wanted to start a podcast but it doesn't quite fit in the constitution we may put an amendment in a, on a later date but right now we're gonna put it aside because it doesn't fit what the goal is and I think that helps me a lot. Um, there are multiple versions of it, but the one that resonates with me a lot is from uh, The Seven Habit, uh, Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey. And the, he shares a lot of great, great insight that you can build uh, references for family and all that. And I took that and I reframe it with my own perspective and build something that guides me and i just call it my constitution so sometimes my wife and i will get in in an argument i'll be like well it's against the constitution <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh i mean um all joke aside though um just going back to Here's something that I noticed about me. 
when you're going through life and life is happening and things are getting crazy, you're getting overwhelmed, it's less likely for you to have clarity in that moment. But if you have built something when you were very clear and you go back to that in the time that you're going through a challenge or is a tumultuous time, you can go back to that clarity and ground yourself again. So that is how I navigate everything by constantly going back to that clarity that I built, pre-built to guide myself throughout tumultuous moment. It's kind of a perfect segue into uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up, which was a retreat that we recently went on. We were both were part of the Outlier Project, and we went to Rhode Island for four days and got to spend incredible time with insane human beings uh, for for that period of time. And and one of the biggest takeaways was a conversation that I had with you on the beach as we did oh, really? our sunrise beach walks as a group. Yeah, we, we all <laughs> and then all these really cool conversations transpired on those beach walks. And sure. you had asked me about, you know, the business and podcast and, and kind of what I was doing. And, and I told you, I'm like, ah, I'm a little, I'm a little over here. I'm a little over there. And you, you shared something around harmony and you talked about the fact that a song music doesn't yeah. have to have, you know, for the harmony, it doesn't have to have the guitar playing at the same time that the drums are going, or at the same time that the piano is going, or at the same time the vocals are going. Each of those things come in when appropriate and they complement one another, yeah. but that they don't have to all be going at one time. And that's really kind of that harmony that you achieve and, and taking that and really looking at my business and the podcast and the things that I really enjoy doing, but sometimes almost feels obligatory. Yeah. It made me look at it and completely reframed it for me. And, and so I'm grateful for the time we got to spend together and grateful for you imparting that wisdom. And I'm curious for you, what was kind of, what was one of your biggest takeaways while we were there? Wow. A lot, a lot. Um, conversations with you conversations with uh, Dr. Spencer, uh, conversations with Scott. Mark Holden had some very deep insights he shared with me. Lindsay. Um, yeah, but the biggest thing for me, um, is I'm still on cloud nine. <laughs> me too me too uh, but but the biggest thing for me is that i had the confirmation that i was on the right path mm. every now and then you still stop look around and wonder is this really the right path i'm, I'm on and it became truly clear to me that I'm on the right path. I love sharing my story with people with intent and hopes to inspire them, see themselves, not me. I love uh, being a part of a group of people who just believe that people are worth more than diamonds. And everything just came together to me at the retreat that this is where. I want to be. This is the, the things I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And these are the type of people I want to bring more into my life and closer to my heart. And to know that I have found a community and a group of people who really cherish my gift who support me for who I am, who are not expecting anything back, but are feeding my strength to get even brighter. Um, is such a beautiful thing I experienced during the time we spent together. And I also learned that to learn, you have to listen. And to be coached, you have to be coachable. Mm. 
So being, you, you mentioned our conversation, but you did mention how you were considering uh, your current position and your next mission. And what I learned from that is that sometimes I'm, I, I tend to be too intuitive. I just jump, jump into things and like, well, we'll figure it out once we, you know, once we're up there, we'll figure it out. But, but I think planning is very important too. And that's something you indirectly taught me at the, the retreat that you don't just jump into things. Uh, unless life throws things at you, then you manage. But as much as, as possible, if you can plan, I think planning is very important. And that's one of the biggest things I took away from the retreat because I, I just tend to trust the universe maybe a little too much and just jump uh, sometimes, uh, learned a couple of things the hard way. But the conversation, I don't want to get into the details, but the conversation you and I had to taught me that I should stop more and do some planning uh, when I'm looking to, to make moves. And um, I love that you do that and that you taught me, you shared that with me. Well, you were... Um... You were, the, you were a sponge there. And our room where we looked out was kind of looking right out at the water, but looking straight down at the, at the Adirondack chairs that were there kind of on the grass in front of the water. Yeah. Every day, every day I saw you there with Dr. Spencer. Yeah. Just enthralled in conversation. And this is someone who, you know, you have ac we, have, we had access to, uh, like full access to. But it wasn't just while we were in our meeting rooms or at dinners or at breakfasts or at lunches or sunrise beach, you were very intentional and you would sit there and you would just absorb. And this is somebody who is a coach to Tiger Woods and to Bono from you two. I mean, who coaches and works with some of the most famous people. Yeah. And you were intentional about sitting down and asking questions and then just soaking everything in. And so I think your intentionality, just as, as, as we'd be up in the room, like, oh, there's Kofi and Dr. Spencer again. And I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, the time that you took to just have the conversations you did, it, the, the value I can only imagine you got out of that was immense. Yeah, but you and, were the one that so was being really intentional about it so deep that I, I can't even talk about it. But what I can tell you, Sonny, is that I am 10 times, 10 times better from those conversations. And we talked about some of the deepest fears I have as a human. Some of the, the, the strongest challenges that I face. But what was very intriguing to me is how little we needed to say to understand each other. And, and I think that was the chemistry. Because I would start asking questions, Dr. Spence would just rolling with the answer question not being asked yet and then it was just this dynamic of i don't know it's like they, they say when the student is ready <laughs> the teacher shows up right and i feel like i was at this time in my life when where i needed a dr spencer in my life and things that I, I just can't talk about. Um, we, I don't know. It's a, it's a blessing, a gift that literally it's like I was being put in on a surgical table 
and then I was ripped open completely. And then someone is telling me, okay, heart is good. Lungs are trash. You know, like that type of depth. Mm -hmm. And you know where exactly you need to focus. And you know what exactly you need to cherish and, and double down on. And yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it. Someone cut you open completely and tells you, heart is good, uh, stomach, okay, lungs, trash. You know, those honest and deep conversation mm -hmm. that I completely and totally opened myself to uh, Dr. Spencer. And the funny thing is that he did the same. It's like things that people would shy away from, things that people pretend not they don't struggle with. And, and, and some of the, oh gosh, yeah. Sonny, it was it was just life altering the, the time I spent with him. And actually we've got a lot of things planned uh, in the plans coming up that we're going to be working on together. Um and it's unbelievable because now uh we just test back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, I see if we've we've always been buddies and and that is something so unique to the outlier project, you know right that uh we're we're talking about Dr. Jeff Spencer, right uh, people who don't know him, I highly recommend them to look him up um and i i I just can't believe all the things we we have coming up, but uh I'm so excited and looking forward to sharing with uh, with the world. Oh, that I, I can't wait for that. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to uh, to be part of the world hearing about it. <laughs> well, I I just really I want to honor your book and your story. I'm just I'm an avid reader, but I finished your book in two days. I mean, literally the first day. I think I was 70 pages in before I could put it down. It was I was so enthralled in it. And I told you when I read a book where I'm, where the story is so compelling to me, it brings it in visually in my mind as if it's like a movie yeah. and few books have that type of power over someone. And so I want to honor that, but I'm curious, what is next in your story? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, next in my story, I want to I make it my life mission to empower and support other people bring such stories to life because I just know that there's many more stories just like mine out there that we just don't know about. Books changed my life literally and figuratively and I made it my life mission to support anyone who deeply inside they, they want to write i don't want to convince anyone to write you want to write you are not sure how to navigate the, the publishing intricacies or where to start from i want to be there with you from the beginning to the day your book is on the shelves and along the way my next book tiny sparks is about to be published, Unbroken Optimist, we just finished the audiobook that I got to narrate myself. It's been published on Audible uh, on the second anniversary of uh, the physical publication. Um, and I'm just going to keep learning, keep enjoying this experience we call life and being supportive as much as I can. So to other people so they too uh, can get to a point where they're totally in love with the life they live. Mm, I love that. What, um, what is the legacy that you want to leave for your children? My children? I want to leave them with tools, internal tools that they can use to build the life they want. 
I always tell my daughter, you know, uh, nothing that I have is yours, but everything I am is yours. Mm. And I want to leave them with the same tools. You know, money is, money can depreciate. You can lose it. Uh, achievement, they, they are fleeting. But currencies that are invaluable, like grit, patience, courage, curiosity, uh, the audacity to embrace that through you see in yourself and dare to show it with the, to the world. I want to empower them to be able to do that. And if I can be successful at that, I don't care if they are sweeping the streets. I don't care if, I, if they become the president of a country. Blue color, what color, I don't. It doesn't matter to me as long as internally they are clear on what they want and they dare to go for it and embrace the journey along the way. That is the legacy I want to leave my kids with. And mind you, these aren't just like average kids, I have to say. Your daughter, your daughter just <laughs> published her book. How old is she? She's, she's about to turn 12. Yeah. I think well, she's using, I'm saying, I think she's I'm using saying that just because well. she prefers being, you know, that to turn 11. <laughs> but she's 11. <laughs> that, she's that's 11, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think there, I think there are. Um, you probably won't know the the tools internally. You know, in in all the days here, you probably won't even know how much impact that you have created in their lives. And and I love that that's already coming about at eleven years old. It's pretty amazing. I hope so. I hope so. Life is a journey with a, a lot journey. of surprises, but yeah. Um, we are pretty proud of her, um, and uh, yeah, she she's doing amazing. Uh, if it were your last day on Earth, last day here, time to go home. Yeah. yeah. And you had one message for your wife. What would that be? Wow, that's a big one. If it was my last day on Earth. And I had one last message for my wife. It would be, I love you. I will always be in your heart. If you need me, I'll be there. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing a part of your story. For those who want to know where to get your book, for those who have that inkling in their heart, in their mind, where they, you know, it's like I have this story that's brewing in me that I want to share with the world and, and they want to figure out how to write the book or get into your program to have you navigate that journey with them and get their book published. Where can they find that information? Where can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. Uh my wife think I should be paying rent on LinkedIn. So that's how sure they can be. They will find me on LinkedIn, Kofi Duhaji. Um, they can find a lot more about what we do at Flying Wings, going to uh, www.flyingwings.llc or just go to kofiduhaji.com and you will see all the solutions that we have uh, worked out to support we have two main solutions the first one is that we coach you and support you to write um, and then you figure how you want to do once you have the manuscript ready or the second solution we work with you from writing all the way through uh, publishing so those are the, the solutions we have and Kofi Duhaji, easy to find me on LinkedIn. And once you grab me there, everything else will be clear from there if you're looking for more information. All right. Well, I will put all the links in the show notes as well. But I thank you. 
I, I just want to honor you. You're such a, an incredible human. You're an amazing friend, and I appreciate you. And I'm so glad we got to do this finally. Thank you so much, Sunny, for the opportunity. I love this. Thank you so much for listening and for being here on this journey with me. I hope you'll stick around. If you liked this episode, it would mean the world for me if you would rate and review the podcast or share it with someone you know may need to hear this message. I love to hear from you all and want you to know that you can leave me a voicemail directly. If you go to my website, evokegreatness.com and go to the contact me tab, you'll just hit the big old orange button and record your message. I love the feedback and comments that I've been getting, so please keep them coming. I'll leave you with the wise words of author Robin Sharma. Greatness comes by doing a few small and smart things each and every day. It comes from taking little steps consistently. It comes from making a few small chips against everything in your professional and personal life that is ordinary, so that a day eventually arrives when all that's left is the extraordinary. <laughs>